Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Mike Smith against Andre Vasilevsky tonight. That's a goaltending matchup. Uh, Vasilevsky, all he's done is go 17-0-2 in his last 19 starts with a 9.33 save percentage. So he hasn't lost forever. What was that number, Mr. Escott, that you had for Mike Smith? Was it 9-0-2 or 7-0-2 in his last nine? Eight, Something ridiculous like that? 8-0-2 in his last 10. He hasn't lost a start in regulation since December 20th. So in in a month and a half. So that's what we got rolling tonight. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning without Kucherov, Stamkos, and Sorelli. Obviously, Connor McDavid out for Edmonton. Royal Pizza, Pizza Past, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 50 years. For a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The stock recommendation, 25 minutes after the last one, Meat lovers. All right. Without further ado, we welcome back to the show Jonathan Willis from the Athletic. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing well, Bob. How are you? Uh, good, good. Look, uh, we saw you on the road trip, uh, the five game roadie where the Oilers. Fair to say, they they kind of uh, turned their season around on that trip, didn't they? I I was glad that they uh, chose to send me to that one specifically because it it really does, looking back now, appear to be the turning point in the season. Everybody was pretty doom and gloom after December, and and since they, I think they went three one and one on the trip. They've been on fire, uh, have really established themselves as a threat to win the Pacific. You know, I was thinking that uh, the Athletic needed to replace Daniel Boot uh, Nugent Bowman with you on trips moving forward after the team's performance, uh, and that had nothing to do with the fact that you were stuck and couldn't uh, get anybody better. So you guys, uh, now this was an Athletic initiative. Uh, you ended up interviewing several uh, sort of radio types for National Radio Day, or did it just tie in today with the decision to uh, to, to to write a piece of, uh, about yours truly? <laughs> that that actually was sort of coincidental and, and more the result of the Oilers continually doing things. So I, I had to keep pushing that to the back burner. <laughs> um, it, but we, we've, we've been trying to do it a little bit because I think people are interested in in how you get to be a, a high-end radio guy and, and what the job's like. And, and anytime we can pull the curtain back a little bit on any of those roles, our readers really seem to like it. Just to establish for everybody listening out there, there is no such thing as a high-end radio guy. That's very kind of you to say, uh, Jonathan. But it is, it, it, you know, it's a little bit weird because, you know, 
when when I'm the interviewer and some would say so interview, but it is a conversationalist when you're hosting a talk show. That's the thing. It's not a straight uh, black and white uh, question answer question answer. It is literally a conversation. It's different when the shoes on the other foot. But it, no, we had uh, an engaging conversation. We we've had lots over the years, and I I've not always agreed with everything that you've written, and you know that. Uh, and it's, I would like to, I'd like, I'd like to know this just from your perspective. Has your attitude towards stats and the deployment and the importance of analytics, has it changed? Have you migrated maybe more to the middle than you were, say, eight to 10 years ago? Where, you know, do you think you had harder and faster rules on that? And now you might, and, and which stats are maybe important today as secondary stats than, and maybe weren't even around eight? Like, do you think you've maybe changed and evolved a bit from your perspective on that? Absolutely. Uh, to me, to me, if you still have the same opinions you had five years ago, you're you're kind of a dinosaur, right? Like you, you have to constantly be evolving as new information comes out. Um, we've seen the league move towards new kinds of data. Some of the the player tracking initiatives, some of the machine learning stuff is very exciting. Um, I'm looking forward to more and more of that being publicly available. And then you see some very bright people making um, new uses of data that we currently have. So maybe five years ago, I leaned on something like Corsi a lot more, whereas now. You know, you, you look at expected goal models and things like that, things to take into account shot location. And, and those processes are going to get better and better as we can incorporate, you know, uh, cross-ice passes and puck location data, which, which hopefully we'll be able to do in the next couple of years. I, I think the information is always moving, and you, you want to try and synthesize it as best you can with some of the conventional stuff. Because, you know what? People have been watching the game for a long time, and, and some stuff I think we've learned has been misguided, but a lot of things we've been reinforced that they, those were good decisions, like the, the handedness of defensemen is a good example. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Jonathan, because, you know, we have a lot of really smart listeners to the show that come up with great ideas. And when a team misses the playoffs out of 12 out of 13 years, I would suggest to you that questioning and making suggestions, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And just, I'll tell you, in my own evolution, I valued heaviness and toughness a lot more a decade ago than I do today. And I look no further than a guy like Yamamoto, who, as you know, I wanted up earlier. Uh, rather, and, and he, as it turned out, he came up at the perfect time. But I watched those first couple games in, in the American Hockey League this year and thought, this guy's better than guys we have here right now. Like that was my feeling watching him play down in Bakersfield. And so the question I have for you is two guys, Ethan Bear and Kyler Yamamoto, have they kind of changed what you think of the makeup of the Edmonton Oilers maybe having back at the start of the season? Yes, absolutely. Ethan Bear in particular. I mean, like we've we've been watching Ethan Bear do this for fifty games now, so we're past the point where we're sort of adapting to it. But the puck moving element he brings on defense, and I, I think Dave Tippett actually deserves a lot of credit for prioritizing that. I think that's a shift in in the Oilers' philosophy. You, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but. Uh, uh, what Bear has brought has been tremendous. I, I think it's, it's a lot more than I expected. I got to watch him a fair bit in the American League last year, but to me it looked like his skating took a step over the summer. And that, like, he's always been smart, always been good with the puck, but uh, more being more of a dynamic skater this year has, has really accelerated him. And then Yamamoto has been a perfect match for, for Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins. Um, you know, a, a lot of people questioned whether Dreisaitl could sort of lead his own line. And the problem was, in past years, he's never had high-end help to do it. 
but he, he fit really well with Yamamoto. And then Nugent Hopkins, I think, is a better winger than maybe he's ever played with when he's away from McDavid. Uh, let me ask you this. What was your thought process when the Oilers signed Dry Settle to that uh, initial eight-year extension, $8.5 million? Well, it was the same summer that uh, Boston was going um, toe-to-toe with David Pasternak. And I thought the Bruins process was superior. I thought, you know, like Vlad Tarasenko had signed the previous year for, I think, seven by seven and a half. And so when the Oilers gave Drysaddle $8.5 million, and at that point, like, they talked about him as a center, but he was a full-time yeah. winger. I looked at that, and I thought, that's a bit of an overpay. And then when Boston got Pasternak for 6 by 6.67, I think that was the number, you go, wow, boy, Edmonton sure paid a lot more relative to the market rate. And, I, you know, looking back at it now, the, the market has moved a bit. I think we've seen that um, and has gone in the direction of paying younger players. And, and Dreisaitl has emerged. Like, Dreisaitl had a phenomenal year when they signed him. He's, he's found another step from that level, which I, I honestly I didn't see him being this good. Do you think that he will merit more consideration uh, for the MVP as the season goes on? Yeah. I, like, when I look at the MVP award, the problem I have with Dreisaitl right now is when the Oilers really tanked in December, he had a rough month, right? Like, he was playing on McDavid's yep. line. He was... He had a rough month wherever he went, and he was brilliant to begin with. I think we'll see where he is at the end of the year, but, you know, like, both sides of that rough month, he's been brilliant, like he's been best player in the league material. So if he if he plays out the next 30 games the way he's played the last 15, I don't see how you can ignore him in that conversation. You did the five-day road trip, or five-game road trip with the team out east. Uh, can you... How different does it make it? You know, you're. I mean, you're writing for the Athletic. Uh, how how much? How I guess is it at all different or more challenging or less challenging? Or uh, I mean, you get a different type of access when you're right there and can go and, and go direct to the players. But does it change things at all when you're there around them on a day to day basis? And maybe when you're a, a little bit sort of withdrawn from the process. Yeah, it's it's funny because there's pros and cons to both. I've I've found, um, and I'm I'm going to be be joining the team for the deadline trip here to California, which will still be good and make it down to Bakersfield. It, it gives you a different perspective on things, and you get you get a lot more guidance on your thoughts because, of course, you're bouncing ideas off other people who are also around the team all the time, and you can kind of ask questions of of coaches and players and 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 correct things. Um, so it's useful in that respect. I, I think the challenge there is is not pulling your punches because it's when you when you're around them every day, you you still have to kind of treat them the same way, right? Like you've got to be fairly cold and objective to some degree if you're doing any amount of analysis in your job, and and that's tough to do when you know like a, a guy might be a really great guy and very friendly to you, but have a have a lousy game. You still have to be able to say you know he had a really lousy game. Right, and or a guy might be going through a personal challenge that's nobody's yeah. business, Absolutely. and you might know he's going through that personal challenge, and then you're like, all right, how do I sort of assess this? And we can't all be Simon Cowell in life, so now we can be with each other in, in the media sometimes. Look, I appreciate that you took time to uh, to to do the feature again. It's up on the Athletics uh, website. You guys have grown. How many? Uh, do you have any idea of the numbers? Normally, we have James Myrtle on for this sort of stuff, but uh, how much? How how much has the athletic sort of grown? Just the athletic Edmonton and uh, the athletic throughout Canada over the course of the last, say, two calendar years. Oh, it's it's been gangbusters. Um, I, I'm not I'm not at 
you, you, got, you have to have Myrtle on to ask those questions properly right. because he's, he's got the up-to-date data and he's, he's free to speak. But uh, we, I, I can say the support in Ed, throughout Canada has been great, but Edmonton in particular has been dynamic. The fact that we can have three basically full-time riders on, on the Edmonton site, and uh, they're, they're very happy with our growth in Edmonton, and it's, it's been, a, been a real pleasure. And I, Well, it's one of the things that's enabled us to do more travel this year is, is the fact that we continue to grow. It's, uh, it's been a real pleasure watching the market respond, and you know, I'm, I'm eternally grateful to the passion of the fans. And I can't reiterate that point. I mean, you look at the success of Cult of Hockey with uh, David Staples and Kurt and Bruce and he got Oilers Nation and that's a very successful entity. They got some real good people writing there. And then obviously the Athletic, uh, which is sort of, you know, is is actually accredited. Uh, and it's, it's certainly stepped in in the wake of some of the challenges financially for companies like Post Media. And you hit on something about the passion of the Edmonton fan base. And, you know, look at their respect. I, I know what the numbers are for these shows. I don't like, you know, sort of going over the top and pushing them, but I know how competitive the Edmonton radio shows are for sports and for hockey compared to some of the other markets out there across Western Canada. Uh, you, all you need to do is look at Twitter follows for significant people. I mean, it really does speak volumes about just how much you know, Oilers fans care. I mean, the Oilers have a strong brand, uh, Jonathan, but Oilers fans care about this team, don't they? Oh, yeah. I don't think there's a parallel for it in in hockey. That not that I can think of. Not that that works like this. Like you, you listed all those sites. Um, your show's an example of this. My career's an example of this. Uh, a lot of the people in in positions like this now in the media are people who came in in 2007, 2008, or you know, in your case, 2003. But at a at a period of time where the Oilers were not very good, and to kind of go from nothing to uh, like it, it always boggles my mind that I was able to turn this from you know a part-time hobby into a full-time career in a period of time when the Oilers were not competitive at all. You you don't get that level of passion in many cities, and uh, you know if you work in in surrounding the Oilers in any capacity, you have to be grateful. And if if you're not conscious of that, you're you're really missing a big part of it. All right, great stuff. Uh, well stated, Jonathan. We'll have you on again. Thank you for your time. Yeah, take care, Bob. You bet that's Jonathan Willis from The Athletic. 148 in Edmonton, guiding you home. Final 10 minutes. Brendan Escott, you'll have a quick... Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chilling by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Conversation coming up with Tampa Bay Lightning forward Tyler Johnson. Uh, we'll wrap up winners now after this. Hi, I'm James Neal from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. 
It is Brendan Escott guiding you home here on Oilers Now. Oilers Lightning coming up right around the corner here on 6.30. Chad, your City Ford face-off show goes at 3.30. Puck drop just after 5 o'clock. Going to get into this day in Oilers history. It's brought to you by New West Travel, Edmonton's premier travel company. For 40 years, you can join 6.30 Chad's Jalen Nye on a spectacular tour of Iceland and Ireland this summer. It includes daily meals, sightseeing, and some spectacular events. For information, call New West Travel or go online at newwesttravel.com. On this day in 1981, Peter Stastny has a goal and an assist as the Nordiques beat the Oilers 4-2 at Northlands Coliseum. Wayne Gretzky did open the scoring in that one, but the Oilers coughed up three power play markers. Eddie Mio made 24 of 27 saves in net. All right, a big part of the upbringing in Spokane of Kyler Yamamoto, of course, was the Johnson family. Tyler has been a staple in the Tampa Bay Lightning roster for a number of years now. He was with Bob one-on-one earlier this morning. Well, there's the uh, there's the obvious Spokane connection that, it, that exists between uh, yourself and Kyler Yamamoto, but also Derek Ryan, and your mother is central to that. So maybe you could just educate our listeners about you know how she assisted uh, you know uh, you guys in your developmental stages in skating. Yeah, my mom was a learning to skate coach uh, for me when I was growing up, and she, um, you know, taught a lot of the kids in the Spokane area, and Kyler was one of them. I think Derek was a little bit older. I don't know if he necessarily went with my mom, but at some point, uh, they definitely did. So, um, you know, she's she's helped a lot of us out. She was our power skating coach for a while, and uh, she's been great. Um, you know, you were a guy that was, wasn't drafted. Derek Ryan wasn't drafted. Kyler was undersized. Uh, and and Spokane is an atypical WHL market, right? It's been a well-run franchise, but you know, it's you're not necessarily you know on the radar screen. For is there something about what you guys did in terms of the tenacity that you played with? Because and, and you kind of had to show everybody. You know the old saying: big men have to prove they can't play; small guys have to prove they can. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if it's uh, tenacity is the right word, but obviously being in a smaller market growing up, you don't get the scouts around and whatnot, but. Um, you know, that's what makes the Chiefs such a great avenue for a lot of these Spokane kids is that they get to see them all the time being in the hometown. So it makes it easier for us to go there. And then once you're in juniors, uh, that's when you really get that exposure. So, um, you know, it's just kind of been one of those things that we've been lucky that we've had some pretty good players and Derek and Kyler. And now there's Bear Hughes in Spokane. And, um, you know, hopefully we can just keep churning out some players. Tyler, can you maybe just speak? To, I mean, this is a really good organization. It's deep, but it's got a structure in terms of how runs and how they bring players along and you, know, you spent basically two full seasons in the minors even though you were you know killing it in your first year just a, a thought on how they do things here and what that means in terms of you know how it breeds success with the franchise yeah I think a lot of our organization what we try to do is really just kind of breed an atmosphere into it uh, you know when I was in the AHL there um, you know we were winning we were doing everything they wanted the young guys to stay down there and kind of build that culture, that atmosphere of, you know, that winning mentality. And um, then once, you know, they thought all of us were ready, they brought us all up together. So we tried to bring that culture up here as well. And I, I think they just, uh, you know, make, um, you know, NHL products down there as far as the players go. They wait until you're ready and even more so. Um, they don't want you to come up here and feel overwhelmed. And uh, every kid that
that comes up, every guy that you know comes up and plays for us, they're always more more than prepared, more than ready, and it makes it a lot of smooth transition for us if you know you're deemed up and have guys out. You're probably tired about asking answering questions about what happened last year, but does this team play differently now? I mean, you bring in a guy like Maroon, bring some physicality to your team. You got a little bit different makeup to your defense and the minutes that a couple of those guys are now playing. Is this a little bit more hard-nosed team maybe than it was a year ago this time? Yeah, I think with the additions it changes, but I think our mentality changes a little bit too. Um, you know, I, I think last year we got into a little bit of trouble of just trying to score goals and um, trying to take too many risks. And, uh, you know, sometimes we're okay winning those games 6-4 or whatnot, where I think this year, um, you know, regardless of wins, losses, whatever it is, we look at more of the fact of how we play. And um, depending on how the game goes, I mean, we're not really happy with a 6-4 win. We, we made a lot of mistakes in that game, obviously, if that was the case. So uh, it's just a little bit different mentality of trying to keep the score down, trying to play defense first and work out from our own nets and um, really holding to that standard. We're not sure yet who's in and who's out for you guys. You might have a couple pretty good players out. Edmonton doesn't have McDavid playing. How does that change the And I know the focus you just said is on what you guys are doing for your structure and process, but how does it change with him not playing? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, he's one he's of the one. best. Yeah, he's one of the best, if not the best. So, um, you know, whenever you're playing against him, wherever he's on the ice, you have to be where you have to know what he's where he's at what he's doing what he's trying to think of so um, the fact that he's not playing uh, you know we don't have to worry about it as much but at the same time they still have some world-class players over there so for us though like you said it's just really playing our game staying within our structure we have some guys out as well so it's gonna be um, you know everyone having to contribute here everyone's gonna have to step up a little bit and um, you know that's how we're gonna have to play there you have it that is Tampa Bay Lightning forward Tyler Johnson 330 face off show 5 o'clock puck drop on 6.30 Chad for the Oilers and Lightning. Tomorrow, Sportsnet's Brian Burke for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication, solar. We will also hear from Mark Spector. Preview weekend action wrap up this afternoon's game. Up next to Global News, Trevor Weather Traffic Update with Eileen Bell followed by uh, the Rob Breckenridge Show, 770 CHQR out of Calgary. So long, everybody, from 630 Chad Studios. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.